This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When I met you in the summer. It's summertime, summertime, sum, sum, summertime, 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 sum, sum, summertime, summertime. Equity Lives! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Mate Summer Series, proudly supported by Sharesies. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well-known companies from around Australia and the US. Each episode, we're also joined by an expert to help us unpack the key metrics, the bull case, and the bear case for each company. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Good to be here for a company that I don't expect a lot of people are familiar with, but... One that we've heard a few times this year. Yes, we have heard it a couple of times, and that is Darling Ingredients. And our expert is Anthony Doyle from Fire Trail Investments. Uh, one of Anthony's colleagues actually pitched Darling Ingredients at the Sown Hearts and Minds conference l- late last year. The Equity Mates Summer Series is proudly supported by Sharesies and a couple of reasons that we love Sharesies. Firstly, they were awarded a 2022 CanStar Innovation Excellence Award with the judges saying the platform is, quote, unique with a significant wow factor as it reduces barriers to entry for new investors. We love when markets are accessible. And the second reason is the platform is easy to use, especially with their auto invest feature where you can now truly execute dollar cost averaging across Australia, US and New Zealand markets. Promo code GROW when you sign up to the Sharesies platform for $10 in your account ready to invest. That is publicly available. We do not get any commission on that. Promo T's and C's apply. Download the Sharesies app or visit sharesies.com.au to learn more. So thank you to Sharesies. Now we are licensed, but any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only and any advice is general advice only but with that said Ren Darling Ingredients quote Anthony Doyle later this episode a very very simple business so in a sentence what have we got in a sentence they recycle animal products they recycle animal products and it's very much simpler than what they say they do on their website where they try and bring in all this emotive language but That is what they do in essence, and they have a big role to play in the decarbonisation of this planet. But let's have a look at their history. They were founded in 1882 by Ira Darling in Chicago as a solution to beef stockyards growth. Today, they are the world's largest processor of slaughtered animal byproducts, 
where they transform them into value-added ingredients and solutions to feed and fuel the world. And so when we think about Darling as a business, think about it in the middle of this unglamorous supply chain that is hugely important because, as you said, slaughtered animal byproducts, not exactly the most glamorous industry, but a massive industry. And so what they do is that they collect slaughtered animal byproducts from livestock suppliers, from meat processors and abattoirs, but they also then collect, you know, food waste from food production facilities and the food service industry. They'll pump grease traps. If you've got like chicken ovens at like a Coles or a Woolies, all that chicken fat can be collected and collected from a company like Darling. Um, you know, there are equivalents in Australia that I worked with when I was at Coles. You want to you wanna do as much as possible to keep this animal waste from going to landfill or being wasted and so there are specialty companies that will collect this stuff and darling is i guess the 800 pound gorilla globally in this space so they'll collect all this meat off cuts and animal byproduct and then they have three divisions where this food really goes so there's biofuels and green energies and that's the one that fire trail and anthony's probably most excited about there's feed and so that'll go to like pet food aquaculture and stuff like that and then there's food and that will go to you know farmer they say health markets yeah probably the fats in maybe yeah um, they, they talk actually in one of their prezos they talk about the expansion of the collagen and peptide product line so that's probably where Essendon got all theirs from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's been an interesting story, but where, uh, as you said, the fire trail guys get excited is, is in the, the fuel component. And uh, in 2013, they partnered with Valero Energy Corp to create Diamond Green Diesel. Now, why this is significant is because they now annually repurpose approximately 15% of America's recycled animal fats, cooking oils, etc., and turn it into low-carbon, clean-burning, renewable diesel, which is, uh, if you think about decarbonisation of the planet and the amount of large-scale transportation systems, i.e. aeroplanes that use diesel, uh, renewable diesel is... Um, is exciting. Now, the perhaps the most exciting thing about renewable diesel is that it's a drop-in fuel, i.e. you don't need to change engines. Mm. It's chemi- It has the same chemical properties as petrol diesel and, and it can be used, you know, in, in existing vehicles, planes that use diesel today. Yeah, which is a huge benefit. Yes, yeah especially for aeroplanes that can't go electric because batteries are too heavy. Physically, literally can't do it. Yeah. 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 So this is the only, one of the only options. Yeah. There, there's one other uh, part of the business that I pulled out that I thought was quite interesting and it's just really because I've had experience with it in Australia, different companies in Australia. Yeah. In 2020, they acquired a company called EnviroFlight. Now, they create, uh, quote, nutritional high-protein ingredients for pets, poultry, fish, and exotics from black soldier fly larvae. And so I went to one of these facilities in when I was in Melbourne and it's essentially they take food waste, they feed it to flies, the flies produce heaps more flies and then those flies, like when they're larvae, get killed and turned into animal feed. Wow. 
and they were trying to do it for chickens, I think, and the soldier fly larvae is more nutritious than the existing uh, animal feed. I think also for fish they were trialling it for. And so, like, the value proposition is for a company with food waste, um, they don't send it to landfill. This is a cheaper alternative, a cheaper disposal option. And then for animal growers, this food is more nutritious than existing food. So you get healthier animals out the other end. Wow. Now, unfortunately, the company that I saw, I don't think went anywhere because I think their founder got caught up in Uh-oh. something else that he did previously came back to bite him. But yeah, I, I, this is something that is like, there are similar companies to this in Australia trying to do something similar. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So one of the biggest strengths for Darling and Anthony unpacks in it, this in a bit more detail, but it, it is the, um, I guess their scale. They have 270 facilities, refining facilities across five continents, 170 in North America, 18 in South America, 50 in Europe, 13 in Asia, and one in Australia. Good to see. And they're, they're repurposing approximately 15% of the world's meat industry uh, waste streams into, uh, you know, what... The, the fuel, the, what, what, what did he call it? Fuel, f- feed stacks, food stacks, whatever it was, fuel units that go into <laughs> that go into the I think, fuel. I think feed stock. Feed stock. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it. Yes. So really, their competitive advantage here is their scale and the amount of the world's uh, sort of byproduct that they own. Yeah. Before we get to the financials, if we think about where this company is going, well, they just want to be the leader in this space and be correlated to the growth in the amount of protein consumption in the world. Because despite a growing percentage of people becoming vegan or vegetarian, despite meat-free Mondays, the world is eating more and more meat every year. And especially in developing countries where there's emerging middle classes, meat consumption is rising very quickly. The US Department of Agriculture track the world's rising meat appetite and they look at globally how much meat is eaten each year. I don't think fish. I think they just look at beef, pork and chicken. But those three combined uh, in 2020, 272 million metric tonnes. That was up 5 million metric tonnes from the year before which was up 5 million metric tonnes from the year before that. If we go back to the year 2000, 190 million metric tonnes. By the year 2010, 200, just shy of 240 million metric tonnes. The year 2020, 272 million metric tonnes. Like, that is unbelievable. It's literally going left to right. I know I'm just explaining a chart, but yeah, it's like a slow, steady grind upwards. And all Darling want to do is see that trend increase and they want to take more and more of the animal byproduct and then their job and I guess how they separate themselves is by finding value-added use cases for more and more of this animal byproduct. That is That chart is crazy, like... Yeah, you very rarely see a chart that consistently go bottom left to top right. It's also like how on earth, if that continues, like there's going to get a, a crisis point. They would have to. Well, yeah, that's why companies like Beyond Meat exist. Yeah. That's like, why That's why there's that, all this... That failed. Well, didn't fail. Failing. Got overvalued. Well, yeah. That's why companies... That's why like researchers are trying to do lab-grown meat. Yeah. Show us the world's rising appetite for that. Lab-grown meat? <laughs> yeah. 
people will eat lab grown meat. You reckon? It would blow up a company like Darling because then it'll, there'd be no animal byproducts. Yeah, it'll take ages. But that is fascinating. There we, we didn't ask Anthony about where that comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just so far down the track that it's not even a consideration. I think it's also like the world's meat consumption isn't going yeah. to zero. Yeah. Like even if Beyond Meat, like plant-based meat and lab-grown meat take a f- yeah, fraction of 3% this. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, come on, guys. Yeah, wow. Dumb. No, I'm glad we didn't ask it because he would have looked at <laughs> us and said, dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a look at the financials. Market cap of $10 billion. It is pretty flat this year, down 1%. So you'd say it outperformed S&P. Um <laughs> It has say. outperformed <laughs> <laughs> up 280% in the past five years. Revenue of $4.7 billion. Uh, revenue five years ago was 3.4, so up 38% over the past five years. Okay. But it is up 31% between 2021 and 2022 alone. So basically flat for the four years and then a big inflection point in the last year. Uh, profit of six hundred and fifty million, a hundred and two million five years ago. So up five hundred and thirty-seven percent. But again, two thousand and twenty-one profit of two hundred and ninety-seven million. So up a hundred and nineteen percent in the last year. So pretty solid numbers starting to come out of it in the last twelve months. Mm. Um, no wonder it has been pitched by the fire trail guys, and it is part of their portfolio. Now, I think the last year has been a bit of an outlier year because. The tallow price, which is like animal fat price, is correlated to the oil price. And so as oil spiked, you can see their revenue had a massive inflection point up, 31% up, but their profit was up 120%. So their profit more than doubled in the last year. Don't extrapolate that trend because hmm. the oil price has come back down. The tallow price is still high, but the idea that like it, 2020. One, 2022 was a great year. Great year for fat prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's an important input because, you know, they might be paying more to their suppliers, the, the abattoirs and stuff that they're buying these animal byproducts off, but the price that they would get for their value-added products was so much higher and their margin increased be- because the commodity price was going up. As the commodity price compresses, you know, they'll be paying less to the abattoirs, they'll be getting less from their value-added products, but you'd expect a bit of margin compression as well. Mm. So that's just uh, a watch out about last year was an epic year, but don't just extrapolate it forward without doing the work and thinking about what a normal a normalised price for tallow is. So Darling Ingredients is listed on the New York Stock Exchange. The ticket is DAR. You can access the US stock market plus the Australian and New Zealand markets on the Shares' platform with no investment minimum. This is not product advice. Make sure you do your own research. We are now going to take a very quick break and on the other side, we're bringing in Anthony Doyle from Firetrail Investments to get his thoughts on Darling Ingredients, key metrics, bull case, bear case, and where it's going to be in 10 years' time. So we'll pick it up straight after this break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One, two, three, bring it back. Hey, 
another delightful day here in vacation land. So we're joined by returning fan favourite Anthony Doyle, who's head of investment strategy at Firetrail Investments. Anthony, welcome. Cheers, Bryce. Thanks for having me back. No worries. Always good to have you in the studio. So, Anthony, uh, before the break, we spoke about Darling Ingredients as the company, what it does, a little bit about its history. But now we want to turn to Darling as an investment. And we want to start with how you analyze a company like this. How do you approach it? What metrics matter? And are there any that don't really matter for a company like this? Yeah, I mean, great question, Ren. So, at Firetrail, we are high conviction concentrated investment portfolio managers. So every company that finds its way into one of our portfolios, and you've you've met with Eleanor Swanson, for example, yes. on the Small Caps Fund, and for the Global Fund, uh, which I work in, we conduct over 200 hours of fundamental research on these companies. So there's a huge plethora of information that our analysts, that we have to go through. But ultimately, we focus on the one or two things that truly matter for the share price. So despite doing all the economic modeling, financial modeling, despite stress testing those models, despite talking to industry experts, employees, ex-employees, competitors, huge amount of research, what are the one or two things that truly matter? So we went through the process for Darling. Uh, It is a key holding within um, our global equity fund, the Firetrail S3 Global Opportunities Fund today. So what matters? Okay, let's bring it back down to to what the business is. And it's a very, very simple business, which is something that we like. Um, (laughs) So they separate fats from proteins. And the reason that they do that is they provide sustainable ingredients for the production of renewable fuels, whether that's biofuel or renewable diesel or renewable aviation fuel. So very, very simple business model. So what matters bringing it back to your economics 101, is demand and supply. So in the market, demand for renewable energy sources is growing considerably. So in terms of renewable diesel capacity additions in the US, that's, inc- that's expected to increase six times within the next three years. Wow. Um, so six times growth in renewable diesel capacity within the United States. So not only does Darling have a half share, 50% share in one of the largest renewable diesel plants in the United States. But it stands to benefit the most from regulations and the global market pushing to reduce emissions from fuel sources. So that's the demand. Demand is growing significantly. That's excellent. Well, what about the supply side? Well, on the supply side, in terms of the renewable oil field, the renewable source, these um, simple ingredients, sustainable ingredients that go into the production of renewable energy sources, Darling is dominating and is increasing its dominance in this space. So what are the feedstocks used to produce renewable diesel, for example? Well, one, used cooking oil. And I know your background, you've seen the traps. Yeah. Well... Darling has relationships with 200,000 restaurants throughout North America to go in and extract the used cooking oil. And it shares the profits of the used cooking oil market with the suppliers. So 
These are typically feedstocks that would ordinarily find their way into a landfill and the resulting carbon emissions that you, you re- extract or, or that um, emits into the environment and the atmosphere. So the restaurant benefits monetarily, but also the grease traps, they're dirty, inconvenient, dangerous, time-consuming. So Darling has the infrastructure to go in and extract that used cooking oil. So the used cooking oil element is a small part of the the renewable diesel feedstocks. The far larger part is the um, animal waste product side. So, for example, um, once you, you know, get the the um, steaks from a cow and you know what's fit for um, human consumption or what is used in the marketplace for human consumption, typically half of a um, cow carcass uh, is thrown away, and uh, Darling goes in collects it from the abattoir and it goes through the process of separating the fat from the protein and then that um, waste product is used to produce renewable diesel. And again, the real advantage of renewable sources of energy like renewable diesel, through the life cycle of the product, it has a 95% less carbon emission profile than fossil fuel, petrol diesel, Mm. and 60 to 90% less greenhouse gas emissions. So in terms of uh, processing animal waste products or, or um, the, the offcuts from, from animals, for example, Darling processes 15% of um, the world's market in that. So it's a hu- think about all the animals, mm. yeah, um, you know, yeah. proteins that are used in daily consumption of, of diets for, for um, human consumption. Uh, Darling actually processes 15% of the world's animal byproducts um, on five continents around the world. So because they're working with their customers and their their customers benefit, for example, from rising prices for tallow, for example, um, animal fat, uh, the customers benefit, Darling benefits, um, and it's very much a win-win scenario. So, um, yeah, they're the two things that matter. Demand is growing, and in terms of supply, will Darling dominate? Darling have the supply. So I guess that would form the basis for the bull case then which is just that the demand for this product and well demand for sustainable fuel is is going to increase and and darling are positioned as the market leader for the feedstock that goes into that is there any more that goes into building a bull case for darling ingredients yeah so um the regulatory environment is kind um to darling and we've seen that in the united states so in terms of a gallon of renewable diesel darling receives four dollars forty in uh subsidies for example what is a gallon of diesel renewable diesel yeah Uh, so there's around a three dollar um three dollars above the traditional price of diesel, um, petrol diesel. And let's test your knowledge. What's a gallon of petrol diesel cost these days? So $4.50, okay. so $7.50 a gallon for renewable for diesel. Renewable. Okay, and they receive $4.40. In subsidies uh, okay. to produce it. So that's why there's so much um, supply capacity being built at the moment to benefit from those subsidies. Um, so they were reconfirmed in the passing of the US Inflation Reduction Act, for example. So in terms of... Uh, the growing uh, demand for feedstock, again, this is where Darling has a moat in that they own the renewable oil field. Um, so it's like, yeah, they, if you want to make this product, renewable diesel, you have to go essentially to Darling mm. and pay them for um, the, the sustainable ingredients that are used to produce renewable fuel. Now, what's really important is that when um, these feedstocks are produced via that meat processing 
um, process in an abattoir, for example, the rendering plant has to be located essentially in very, very close proximity to the abattoir. The reason for that is that the fat only has a five-hour life oh. shelf. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? So, and guess who has the rendering plants that sit next to the abattoirs, um, the, the major rendering plants um, throughout North America? Darling, yeah. right? Yeah. So even if you want to pay more for tallow uh, and pay more for the animal um, byproducts, you need a, a rendering plant in close proximity. And obviously, if you want to start to develop that capability, that's a huge amount of capex. And that's mm. something that uh, Darling has been doing for the last 15 years, for example. So they, this is how the, it's very, very difficult to usurp them in the, the supply of those um, feedstocks that go into the production of renewable diesel and renewable aviation fuel in terms of the animal fat and cooking oil side. But what about the other 85% of the market that so darling have 15 percent of feedstock supply yep so where what's going on with the remaining 85 so yeah that's market? one in six animals um globally uh, typically find the most would find their way into a landfill unfortunately yeah. and decompose and emit carbon in mm. that way essentially you know i don't want to get bearish on people but we can't meet a scenario where the globe doesn't warm by one and a half degrees by 2050. We're just not going to make it. However, we think that we will see a huge push to try and mitigate warming beyond that, whether it's two or two and a half degrees. So unless the, the largest, one of the largest contributors to carbon dioxide emissions, CO2 emissions is aviation. Mm. And we can see that there are technologies being developed to reduce the carbon profile of concrete, for example, mm. or steel, for example. But on the aviation side, unless there are huge advancements in technology, it's simply physically, according to physics, you cannot fly an aeroplane without the sort of hydrocarbon or uh, hydrocarbon profile of petrol petroleum or diesel. Um, so that's why the huge focus on renewable aviation fuel, that's the real leg of growth for Darling. And they're going to try and make renewable aviation fuel out of absolutely every feedstock that they can, whether that's plant-based oils, animal byproducts, or used cooking oil, for mm. example. So Darling, that's the next step, capture a greater percentage of the other 85%. Mm. And in that sense, um, more recently, they've acquired Brazil's largest rendering plant. Have you guys been to Brazil? No. Never. <laughs> they Never. eat a lot of meat there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah I've yeah. been to a Brazilian restaurant, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, Brazilian barbecue, right? Yeah, so yeah. they've just acquired, um, or about four or five months ago, um, Brazil's largest meat rendering plant as well um, for half a billion US dollars. So, so they're expanding that international presence. So not only in the emerging markets, but also in Europe as well. So I guess there's two side, There's two questions that come out of that. Let's start with the aviation question. Uh, are there, like, where are we at in that aviation adoption journey? And, and what does air travel look like? Or how does it change using renewable diesel rather than standard diesel? We're at the infancy stage of airlines um, running their airplanes on uh, renewable aviation fuel um, that's been produced via, say, soybean oil. So there was a Boeing plane flown between, Wash I think it was Washington and New York earlier this year, 
uh, and when they when I say flown, one engine was flown on renewable aviation fuel, and all the others had traditional fuel. Yeah, just exactly. In case. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. we're only on in the very very early stages of that path. And because it's it, untested or? Yeah, untested, exactly. And I guess it's a bit like nuclear energy. You know, people don't want to be the first to go up in a plane. No, no, there'll be a few empty flights. <laughs> empty, no, no, so this, this flight had 100 passengers on it. Right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, of what? course. So the testing process is going and obviously um, you have to ensure that the, the safety standards are, are met. Um, but, you know, the, the beautiful thing about a product like renewable diesel, it's a 100% chemical replacement essentially for, for petroleum diesel. Yeah, yeah, okay, so that's what I was going to ask. So it won't mean like slower flights or shorter flights or anything like that. Like it, it's, it's the yeah. same. So the reason, for example, that the price of tallow um, has appreciated by around 250% since the depth of COVID and the oil price has also risen, but it's recently fallen from around $114 a barrel to $80 a barrel. The price of two are extremely correlated, animal fat and oil. Very yeah, correlated. Okay. Um, but tallow has remained elevated and oil has fallen by um, you know, around $30 a barrel because supply of oil can come on stream relatively quickly depending upon the machinations of OPEC, whereas um, tallow production and that animal um, supply is a lot more difficult to bring on stream in a large capacity. So the price of tallow has been re relatively insulated from the decline in oil prices, even though the two are closely correlated. And that's why we like, um, you know, in our strategy, which has that sustainable element um, for a global equity portfolio, we don't have to own the traditional fossil fuel extractors that emit a huge amount of carbon to uh, to develop their product of oil or petroleum. We can own a company like Darling, which is a very, very important, producing a very, very important transition fuel. We, one that we think uh, the airline industry will have to depend upon if it seeks to reduce the carbon profile yeah. of its emissions. Mm. The, the second uh, follow-up question I had uh, was just around uh, what Bryce said about the supply and, you know, the 15% Darling has of animal carcasses, byproducts, yeah. by yeah. uh, and, you know, the 85%, a lot of it is wasted. Would the abattoirs be looking at this as a, you know, I, I take your point around, you know, building uh, the capex required to build a rendering plant near an abattoir, but could the abattoirs extend their businesses and challenge Darling and try and sell to the diesel fuel, to the renewable diesel producers? directly? Yeah, so uh, definitely. So, I mean, Darling has first mover advantage, um, which they've developed over a number of years, uh, but the abattoirs absolutely have the ability to go onto the open market and receive the best price uh, for their for their tallow, which is the, the animal fat. Um, so it's not only cows, it's fish, you know, pigs, chickens, etc. The great thing is Darling shares the benefits of the high tallow price with the abattoirs, you know, up to 70% of the final price. Yeah, uh, okay. So, so you've got to build a business case on that remaining Yeah, 30%. so you need to yeah. find someone that's going to pay you more than Darling. Yeah. And Darling, I think, you know, as I said, it's a win-win for both. So it's unlikely that these customer relationships, they've been built up over many years. Of course, the customer is free to try and get a better price if they want to, but who's going to pay them a better price than the dominant player in the market, mm. which is um, Darling. So then let's turn to the bear case. What are you most concerned? concerned about or what do you consider when investing in in darling i imagine that surely the the big oil companies or diesel companies are looking at this and saying how do, where do we fit 
Yeah. Um, how do we get involved? Or how do we crush or it? How do we, or, yeah, or how do we crush it? We have capacity. We have CapEx. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah Bryce, um, one of the, the biggest clients of the renewal, renewable diesel space is Big Oil. Um, so they actually oh, really? use the product to blend with their own petroleum-based oil to reduce the carbon footprint of that product. So, I mean, um, it's a bit fanciful to think that um, you can go out and fill your car with renewable diesel or your ute with renewable diesel today. Typically, it doesn't reach the retail market. The institutional market actually buy um, most of the, the renewable diesel that is produced. Um, the, big, the big risk, um, so typically, as I mentioned, you know, those subsidies, regulation is on the side of um, renewable energy sources today, there is a huge amount of regulation and that's what we spend a lot of time doing uh, as analysts is understanding the... It's heavily nuanced and understanding the investment implications of regulations that uh, are coming out, like the US Inflation Reduction Act, for example. Um, So the subsidy side, it's unlikely even throughout the Donald Trump years, the subsidies have been in place um, starting in 2009, whether it's the federal subsidy or subsidies in low carbon markets like California and Oregon um, is starting to to do this as well. And and other states are likely to continue or likely to adopt subsidy policies as well for the production of renewable energy sources. But if the subsidies, for example, were removed, that would be obviously a key risk Mm -hmm. for Darling. The other thing is within the, the production of renewable diesel, I think it's very important that governments consider the implications for the end consumer and we're seeing that right now, particularly in places like Europe. So it's it's well and good to want to have a, a product that's lower carbon profile, but will the end consumer be willing to pay a higher price for that product, particularly today when the cost of living is increasing materially, right? So that's one thing that politicians uh, and governments have to consider. The other thing is... Uh, in terms of food versus fuel debate. So again, you may see regulations come out. We saw this with corn and ethanol, for example, um, even soybeans uh, to an extent, the price of soybean oil, uh, price of soybeans. Um, and soybeans are a very important ingredient for soybean meal, so to feed agricultural herds. Mm. But um, the food versus fuel debate is a vital one, particularly in emerging markets. So if you have two competing forces, one is human consumption and the other is the production of biodiesel, Typically, uh, you know, if people are finding it hard to, to pay for corn, um, you may see regulations um, on that side, and we've seen that. Now, Darling is relatively insulated from, from that because the stuff that they're using to, um, or the stuff that they have, um, that they're selling into the marketplace, those feedstocks, they're unfit for human consumption, mm-hmm. you know, use cooking oil and, and animal byproducts. But the regulations may come out and not see that nuance, for example. Yeah, they might just be they like go, blank feedstocks. Yeah, or yeah. biodiesel, yeah. So this is something we keep a a very, very close eye on and, you know, we spend a lot of time on the regulatory um, side of things, understanding the implications of, like I just said, you know, the passing of the US Inflation Reduction Act, Mm. which has subsidies up to a dollar a gallon for renewable diesel, $1.60 a gallon for renewable aviation fuel um, embedded within it that Congress has just passed about three months ago. So that's the, we've touched on the bull case, we've touched on the bear case, where we like to finish these episodes is really thinking long term about the company and if the company is successful in its ambitions, if it's able to execute on what it's telling the market, what does Darling Ingredients look like in 10 years? 
Yeah, so it's a, a $10 billion company today, US dollars, trades on a P of 12.3 times. The really big opportunity we've spoken a lot about, one that is only in its infancy, is aviation. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, other sectors are working hard, whether it's, um, you know, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions come out of households and um, commercial buildings. A lot come out from concrete, a lot comes out from steel, but aviation, um, we are going to make, uh, we are going to use everything we can to produce renewable aviation fuel um, as a society and Darling stands to benefit from that. So that's the huge opportunity for Darling. Um, the CEO describes, and I, I don't know if this is true, but they, <laughs> he describes Darling as the greenest company in the world, you know, pr- producing the sustainable okay. ingredients. Right, um, okay. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a great, That's what we say great about character. Accurate, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a great character. So it's worth definitely um, looking at some of the um, YouTube videos that, that Darling has and listening to, to some of the interviews that he gives. Um, but he's been the CEO since 2004 and really been the driver of this journey that Darling ingredients have been on. Um, so as I mentioned, unless we see some sort of advancement in technology within the next you know, five years in terms of technology, um, a huge breakthrough on, on batteries, batteries or hydrogen, the answer will be sustainable aviation fuel. And this is um, going to be made from waste products, used cooking oils, plant-based oils, um, even forest residues. They're all possible renewable resources that can be used to produce um, this very, very vital fuel source that will assist the world in meeting its decarbonisation ambitions and, and hopefully reduce the possibility of uh, a warming scenario beyond one and a half degrees Celsius by 2050. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's monetizing the opportunity and sustainability um, so you don't have to own, you know, the, the traditional oil um, extracting companies um, within your global equity portfolio. Well, um, Darling is listed on the New York Stock Exchange. The ticker is DAR, but the Firetrail S3 Global Opportunities Fund is also listed on the ASX. The ticker is S3 GO. Geo. S3, S3 Go. go. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> S3 Go. S3 Go. Uh, and Darling is one of the holdings in in the uh, in the fund that uh, Anthony is involved in. So if you uh, want to download the Shares app or visit shares.com.au to learn more, you can. But Anthony, a massive thank you. Always a pleasure to get you in the studio to, uh, to, to chat stocks. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, gents. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. Can't wait till the fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> you have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Hold up, what was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.